a lot of folks that I work with have huge dreams. They have beautiful dreams for their lives, but they're just unsure of how to make those happen because they're not even sure if it's okay to dream that big. And I think that's a really big piece of reclamation is, at least for me, your dreams are possible. Those visions that you have are possible and you can run after those. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Hey, Soul Seekers, it's Becky. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I am so happy to be here with you and super excited to bring you today's show with Megan Colleen Johnson, a life coach and business consultant for creatives, misfits, and holy outsiders. Today, we're talking about the art of reclamation, refining and reinventing ourselves on our terms. I loved my time with her, and I know that you will too, but before we jump in, I just wanted to remind you about my free workshop that's coming up on May 4th, where we're going to spend some sacred time together uncovering and defining your core values. It's on Zoom from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. Feel free to log in with or without your camera on. However you like to engage is totally fine. You can participate as much or as little as you would like. So if you just want to come on and hang in the background and do your work quietly, you can totally do that. And if you want to come on and ask questions and share what you're coming up with, you can do that too. You do you. That's what that time is about. So don't let the Zoom part of it scare you. It's going to be great and it can be exactly what you would like it to be. Now, if some of the episodes from earlier this year about discernment between heart knowing and head knowing resonated with you, if you're struggling with a big life decision, if you're feeling a tug towards something, but you keep thinking to yourself, ah, you know, who am I to do this? If you're feeling stuck and lacking energy and motivation, or if you're just quite frankly sick of whatever shit that's weighing you down in life, then this workshop is for you, my friend, because sorting out core values is a way of sorting out life choices. They're the threads that weave the tapestry of what you're here to do and who you're meant to be. The awesome thing about core values is that they're a two-way street. They not only clarify for you what fulfills you, but it also clarifies for you what you have to contribute to this world. 
because your core values, they're those really unique aspects of the divine that each of us have been given to embody. You know that I believe we have all been sent here with a gift to give to the world. And I really know that through your core values, you start to define it and you start to really figure out how you're meant to express that in the world. Once you've uncovered and defined your core values, you will have a tangible touchstone of truth that you can pull out anytime that you need to do a little truth check. Anytime you need to verify if something is really truly aligned for you, your core values are there for you. They will help you do that with clarity and confidence. So if you want to learn more about core values and the seven signs that you might really benefit from uncovering and defining yours, you can check out episode 31 on core values. I go into it in much greater detail there. Or you can tune into my Instagram feed where I'll be sharing more information throughout this week. So in the meantime, if you're interested in joining us on May 4th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time for our Core Values Workshop, head on over to theintuneexperience.com and sign up. It's completely free, no strings attached, no sneaky little pitch at the end or anything. This is really just a time that I'm carving out for you to do this important work on your core values and walk you through a process that will really help you uncover and define yours. So you know what else is completely free? The amazing insights that our guest is sharing on today's show. Megan Colleen Johnson is a life coach, a creative consultant, space holder, and speaker who helps passionate humans as they rise as the leaders of their own life. Yes, my friends, that's what we're talking about on this show. We have been talking about that a lot, how we can lead our life. Megan is focused on self-trust, wholeness, and sovereign reclamation, which we get into quite a bit in this conversation. In addition to being a certified life coach with Beautiful You Coaching Academy, Megan holds her degree in graphic design and hosts her podcast, The Reclamation Podcast. She has over eight years of creative marketing experience, and I can tell you from checking out her website and all of her social media, she is quite good at it. This was such an enjoyable conversation, a great conversation about someone who is weaving together so many pieces of her life to do great things in the world. I know you will get a lot out of it, so let's jump right in. Megan Colleen Johnson, welcome to Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm so happy that you're here today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for our conversation and just all the things we're going to dive into. Yes, I've already told our listeners a little bit about you and your work. So I'm going to jump right in because you have my curiosity completely piqued. Mm -hmm. I have been checking out your website. I've been following you on Instagram. And you share a lot about this idea of reclamation. In fact, I actually just this morning listened to an episode of your podcast, which is called The Reclamation Podcast, mm -hmm. and I just need to know more. I really need to know more. So this word clearly resonates with you in such a deeply significant manner, and I would love if you could just tell us a little bit more about what that means. What does reclamation mean to you, and why is it so important? Yeah, so... Looking at the word reclamation, before we kind of dive into my interpretation and how I've come to own the word for myself, um, if you look up the definition of reclamation, it's it's traditionally used to talk about reclaiming a plot of land, like taking back a plot of land that has like was previously in your ownership or it, it is your land. And so for me, as I was going through 
a phase in my life where I had to reclaim myself, the word reclamation really, I just attached to that concept. The idea of taking something back that was always yours. And when we talk about like in the self-development world, in the self-help world, personal power is thrown around a lot. And personal power is, is that thing that we always, we innately have within us, but due to social constructs, due to conditioning, we often forget the power that we have. We forget the control we have over ourselves and over our minds. And for me, my own journey was a huge process of reclaiming and going on this reclamation journey back to myself. Um, and when I talk about reclamation and when I work with my clients on their journeys um, in their lives, I like to think of reclamation as this idea of sovereign reclamation as well. So it's this idea that you are in charge of your own reclamation journey. No one can go on that journey for you. I cannot, as a coach, I cannot push someone into their reclamation journey. That's the whole idea is with sovereignty, you choose, you decide. And so for me, that's really attached as well. It's self-reclamation, it's sovereign reclamation. It's this journey that you get to take back to yourself. And along with that, you can reclaim the different words that were perhaps like placed on you, the different stories and beliefs that you grew up with that are no longer serving you. Each of those pieces are a reclamation journey that is the reclamation journey and it's ongoing. Um, but that's kind of, I think I like to think of it as an art, right? Mm. We're on this journey and it's an art form as we get to know our nuances, we get to uncover different things along the way. And it really is this, this piece where we're creating this art piece of our lives and we get to choose what the colors are. Mm. We get to kind of take back the power of what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my life to mean? I get to choose that for myself. So that's just a little bit about reclamation and kind of what it means to me, as well as kind of taking a look at that definition. So I love that. I love that definition. I've, I think it's called a lot of different things, this kind of feeling of wanting to come home to yourself. We just had an episode a couple of, couple of episodes ago where we were reading the book by Richard Rohr called Falling Upward. It's a spirituality for two halves of life. And he talks about the further journey you know, kind of going on to the next phase of your life. And I think that reclamation fits in there. I think they're maybe a little bit different because I, I would imagine that reclamation can happen at any point in time in your life. And yeah, perhaps it's not a second half of life thing. It's not reserved just for that, but perhaps it's a good tool for people who maybe have some trauma or who have some significant life issues that they need to move through to help them, mm -hmm. like you said, reclaim their power, reclaim that thing that was always theirs in the first place. So yeah. am I right in thinking that reclamation really is a any time of your life something that you could apply there? Yeah, that's how I see it. Because, yeah, it doesn't have to be just a second half of life thing. When I look back on my own years of growing up, I feel like there were people who were younger than than I who were on their own reclamation journey before I even was aware of that type of conversation and, and such that I could be having within myself. So I really feel like reclamation to me is, is a journey that anyone can choose at any time. And I love that idea as well, though, of that kind of second half of life journey as well. That's really beautiful. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. So what is your story with navigating change? You've, you've kind of alluded to it a little bit and said that that's the word that popped out to you as you were going through your own experience. So could you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you as you stepped into your own personal growth? Yeah, definitely. So change was something I had to grow really comfortable with at a young age. Um, so I, I grew up with a in a in a pretty um, rocky family. So it was it was a lot of um, shifting things happening. We did a lot of moving. There was divorce while I was really young. Um, gaslighting and manipulation at a very young age. So I became very comfortable with change because it was constant around me, and there was a lot of distrust. And so I didn't understand who to trust growing up. And Throughout that time, I really gravitated towards my faith. So I know you'd mentioned Richard Rohr. For me, I grew up in a very conservative evangelical Christian church in the rural north woods of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And so with that, it was really a safe place for me while I was growing up because I didn't have a lot of structure in my family. And so the church really provided that for me. And I I think that that was actually a very beneficial part of that time and that season for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But along with that, I really gravitated towards all of the rules, all of the regulations. I really embraced the dogma. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until much later in my life. So I went to school for graphic design, started a a business, um, did a lot of creative ventures and things like that. And after college, I started a marketing agency and I started it with a business partner. And that was really, for me, the catalyst for a lot of my own inner change in my reclamation journey, because that turned out to hold a lot of the same manipulative and gaslighty type situations Mm. that I experienced in childhood. And I was very unaware of it till I reached kind of a precipice in my life where I could no longer, I could no longer stay in that same situation. And that's when I reached out to a life coach and she really opened my eyes to the situation that I was in and really helped me to start calling out some of those cognitive dissonances that I was noticing and I was feeling in my body, but I also wasn't fully grasping. I was like, this isn't right. Something's off, Um, but I don't know what. And so she was able to help me and support me in that and be a safe place for me to land as I was processing that. And that's really what started my reclamation journey as I became more aware of, oh, like this is why this feels this way. This is my my story is valid. My feelings are valid. As I'm experiencing this thing, um, I don't need to hide away from, from this experience. I can actually stand and trust my own voice. And that was huge for me to recognize that I could trust myself. Um, I'd grown up so much having to trust everything outside of me it, with the church but then also with my family having that distrust. So there was just a lot, a lot of different layers there for me to unravel, ultimately coming back to myself and cultivating safety and security within. And that was such a huge part of my reclamation for me. It was reclaiming my voice, reclaiming my inner safety, reclaiming 
a relationship with my body, reclaiming a relationship with myself, reclaiming a relationship with my creativity. There were so many layers of that for me, but that ended up being that precipice, that turning point for me when you know, I had to choose, well, I can either <laughs> continue down this path of not sleeping and, and having my body be really upset with me and a lot of fatigue, or I can try to reach out for help. And ultimately that resulted in being, you know, a very important and beautiful part of my story, even though it felt really yucky at the time. My answer to that, as far as my relationship to change, it was very, I have experienced a lot of change and learn to navigate that in different ways. But my reclamation story really allowed me to come home to my safety and security, which I think helps me to navigate change from a much more grounded place. I hope that answers your question. I kind of went on a long trail there. <laughs> no, I, lo I love the long way around. That's where all the good stuff is. That's how we get to the, the oh best gosh, parts. Yes. No, there were so many so many great things in there that you just said. I mean, you know, recognizing the importance of that early container mm -hmm. that your church environment and your church structure gave you is very important. And I think it's it's also, you know, going back to that book by Richard Rohr, there does come a point in your life where you have to look at that structure and take all the goodness of it, but then figure out how you're going to fill up that yeah. container. How are you going to fill that up with the truth of your life? And it sounds like that you working with this life coach is what really gave you permission to say oh, wow, I actually can start filling this up for myself. Mm -hmm. I can start taking my voice and trusting myself. And I love the way that you said that you can navigate change now even better because you're so grounded in your own truth and grounded in your own confidence in your inner knowing and your inner wisdom, which is great. So when you're working with clients, what are some of the things that they come to you with? Like, what are some of the symptoms that tell you that they need to do some reclamation work or that they need to learn about sovereign reclamation? If you're, people are kind of curious and saying, well, how would you know if you really needed to do that? What's that look like? Really a huge part of it is that constant questioning of yourself. One of the biggest recognitions for me and that I notice in my clients is this outsourcing of power where we're consistently looking for validation from others. We're just feeling unsure. Am I enough? And, you know, we're used to looking outward. We're trained that way in our culture to outsource our power to different products, even in the way like we're marketed to telling we're not enough unless we have this product. You're not, you know, you're not good enough unless you get XYZ degree. You're not, there's all of these voices telling us who we should be and how we should be and how we should act. And the folks that come to me, the symptoms really are just that questioning of your intuition that I don't, I don't know if I can hear my intuition. I don't know what I want. I don't know, like, how do I move towards my goals? And I have like a lot of folks that I work with have huge dreams they have beautiful dreams for their lives, but they're just unsure of how to make those happen because they're not even sure if it's okay to dream that big. And I think that's a really big piece of reclamation is, at least for me, your dreams are possible. 
those visions that you have are possible and you can run after those. Those are kind of some of the symptoms. Does that answer your question? It does. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, you touched on something where you talked about intuition. And I think that that's a, that can be such a tricky thing for people, you know, trusting your gut. Like you said earlier, you were feeling things in your body, that your body was telling you things, but you weren't maybe necessarily listening. Sometimes it's hard for people to tease out, you know, what is truth? What am I really feeling? How do I know if this is a, a good scared feeling or like a bad scared feeling, like a warning scared feeling? It's It can be difficult to tease those things out. So how do you approach that when you are working with clients or with yourself? That How do you know when it's really intuition speaking versus the chatter and the voices in your head that might be trying to direct you or navigate you in a different way? Ah, that's a really good question. In my experience with working with clients and for myself, the more grounded and secure we become, I believe the more clear that voice is. So the more we cultivate self-trust, the more we create space to start to hear our voice, that inner voice, the more we're able to grasp, okay, like this is what this means and this is, you know, this is something different. So a really simple way to put this, I feel like that was very vague, (laughs) Um, but a really simple way to put this, and I think it's a really beautiful practice, is to start asking yourself. So you're outside of these situations. You're not in anything major yet, right? So you're like at home, pretty relaxed. Start asking yourself, what is a yes in my body? So what is a space when I felt, yes, oh my gosh, this is so for me. This is absolutely what I'm supposed to do. Where do you feel that in your body? Where it, what is the sensation that you're experiencing? And noticing that, so then when you are out in the world, you can recognize it. You can recognize that voice and start to develop that trust with that voice. And asking the same question of your no. What does a no feel like in my body? So when you were in an experience when you're like, this is not for me, this does not feel good, where did you feel that in your body? Where did you know that in your body? And again, noticing that. So then when you are out in the world, you can recognize it. You can start to develop a relationship with that. And I think that's so much of it is it's a practice and an exercise that happens over time as we're starting to notice, oh, I feel my yes right now. That's interesting. Okay, cool. So if that's a yes, how do I wanna honor that? What does it look like for me to honor my intuition in this moment? Um, And really starting to engage with it from that perspective. Are there specific pieces of work that you do with your clients as you go through the a reclamation process? I mean, it, I guess, first off, is there a process? Is it a formal process? Or is this uh, generalized kind of life coaching work that you do? Yeah, so it, it's a bit of both. So I, I have a program where I go through the five phases of reclamation. And then typically speaking, when I'm working with a one-on-one client, when we go through kind of a three-month or six-month series, the reclamation, like the, the five phases of reclamation we end up hitting on typically in a three month or six month series. Like it just kind of happens, which is why I I crafted it. I crafted it based on my work with clients. So the five phases of reclamation, the first one is playful curiosity. So really 
setting the stage for asking deep questions of yourself. Sometimes when we enter into any like to self-development work, it can feel very heavy. And so the first phase of reclamation is playful curiosity, just letting ourselves have fun, getting curious, letting ourselves let the process be light amidst the heavy things that we may be sorting through. Um, so that's the first phase. The second phase is non-judgment and awareness. So really having so much grace and compassion for whatever we find, not judging it, just noticing it, allowing it to be information that we can sit with. You know, if we need to move through emotions on the way, absolutely doing that and holding those emotions with a lot of grace and compassion. The third phase of reclamation is self-trust. So really developing that relationship with yourself, trusting what you're finding. So as we're asking those questions, as we're holding them without judgment, trusting what we find, trusting yourself, remembering that you are worthy of being trusted. And then the fourth phase is integrity and congruence. So that's typically the implementation phase where we take the learnings and we start to make those shifts in, in the client's life. They start to take action, creating a life of integrity, creating a life that feels congruent with the experience they're desiring. As you can imagine, that's a lot of action. That's where sometimes things get to be a little bit chaotic before, before they start to flow. And it's a really beautiful time, I find, because there's just so much to learn in that phase. And I think it's really beautiful. So, and then the last phase is resilience. So just continuing to show up for yourself, continuing to develop those inner relationships, continuing to live from a place of integrity and congruence. And each of these phases, I see them as like a, a circle. So it's, you know, a cycle that we go through. As we'd mentioned before, reclamation is a journey. It's an ongoing thing. We can enter it. And I'm, I, envision most folks are somewhere in this circle most of the time where we're having we're asking questions we're trying to align our lives we're doing you know we're doing these different things on a regular basis but within the structure that I work with clients it's just kind of a more intentional time is there a time frame on this process I, I mean is it just something that it just takes people as long as it takes them to go through or is there a typical or a standard amount of time that people tend to work through these five steps I see this as falling under kind of that sovereign reclamation piece where each individual has to decide for themselves when they're ready to move on to the next phase each client, like I will work with a client in the container of a three to six month period or during my program, which is three months, but each client really has to decide and every human has to decide when they're ready to move to the next phase. And I think that's just part of the choice. It's actually part of the action of taking your power back. Yes, I'm ready to move on. No, I don't think I'm quite ready. I'm scared, but I'm going to move forward anyways. Just those kind of different pieces, but that's part of taking that power back. That's part of the reclamation itself is choosing when you're ready to move forward and when you need to stand still, trusting what you find within yourself and in living from that place. That's wonderful. I love that the first step, kind of going back and looking over the steps, I love that the first step, you call it playful curiosity. I think that that makes it so much more approachable for people. 
I remember hearing Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love and had her whole, you know, life journey thing that she played out on the pages of that book for everyone. And when she would go give speeches, she would talk about, you know, follow your passion, follow your passion. And she she talked about one time that someone people started coming up to her and saying, yeah, but what if I don't know what my passion is? You know, what if I don't know what my life purpose is or what I desire the most? You know, I feel kind of lost with what you're saying here. And she was talking about how she really had to do some thinking herself because she really just thought it was passion. It was just her passion for those three aspects that she covered in her book that drove her to go to those three areas. And she she then decided to change it to don't follow your passion, just follow your curiosity. And that curiosity is less demanding. It's it's not going to require you to do anything drastic or dramatic. And it doesn't have to be huge or it doesn't have to feel like you said, don't let it be heavy, let it mm. be light. And I so I love that you start there with curiosity, with a playful curiosity. And you know, I, I just I'm kind of curious. I'm curious, that's my question, (laughs) my curiosity. How does that show up with your clients? Do you find that they come in naturally curious or do you have to take them, do you have to take them there? Hmm, I love that question. Our world can be very heavy and we are fed messages of heaviness frequently. And the truth of the matter is there is a lot of hardship in the world we live in. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of difficulty that we see on a daily basis. And when I work with clients and when I work with myself, I find that it's a pretty regular practice of having to shift from a place of heaviness to asking ourselves, how can this be ease-filled? How can I be playful about this? And again, I want to highlight too that this I don't see this as bypassing are our heavier emotions. Like I think it is very important to sit with our heavier emotions, to process the things that we need to process and, 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 and honor the past selves that we've had to be, honor those experiences that have brought up those pieces for us. And then when we feel complete in those areas, moving forward and choosing a bit more ease, choosing pleasure, choosing play. So yeah, with my clients and with myself, I find that to be a, a pretty regular thing. I feel like it comes up in almost every session <laughs> where it's yeah. we we sit with the heavy things and then we can kind of breathe, step out. Like I feel like it's I, I envision this like putting your head up above water and like taking in a deep breath of fresh air. You know, just like raising your head above the clouds and taking a deep breath of fresh air and saying, wait. How can I be a little more playful with this? We live in a wild world and we also live in a really beautiful world. How can I notice some of that beauty as I'm as I'm going through these different pieces? My favorite way to talk about playful curiosity is like a child playing in a puddle where we're going to play in the mud, we're going to get a little dirty, but we're going to have fun in the rain doing it. We're going to be curious. We're going to, you know, let that, like, I just, you know, when you picture a child in the mud, they're just having fun in the mud. They're getting so messy and dirty. And that's the picture in my mind when I try to shift my own mindset from just being in that heaviness, which 
I myself am a, I'm a relatively serious person. I shouldn't even say relatively. I am a very serious person. <laughs> I <laughs> latch onto things and I will sit in it forever. You can ask my husband. He's like, you got to calm down, Megan. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> for me, that picture though, of the child playing in the mud helps me to remember, okay, wait a second, calm down for a second and take a few deep breaths. Look around, look around you. Notice the plants in your office. Notice the clouds in the sky. Like take your eyes off the screen for a moment and take a deep breath. And I think even just simple practices like that to me embody playful curiosity, allowing myself to just become curious for a moment with my environment. What am I seeing in my environment? What are the the textures? My coach has this practice where, and I, it's a, in a lot of meditations, um, where you kind of do an environment scan. And I think that's a beautiful practice to really cultivate this, this curiosity to taking a deep breath, just becoming really present in this moment for a minute. And it really starts to put things into perspective. I don't even remember where we started. Again, I just kind of run along with it. Yeah, we started with curiosity. And that's this is a perfect way to kind of wind around because that's the thing about curiosity. You don't know where it's going to yes. lead you. Yeah. I love the idea of the environmental scan in the artist's way. Julia Cameron recommends that as well, you know, to be a stranger in your mm. own home and to just go around your house and your in your personal spaces, really, and to look and see what kind of books do I read? What kind of music do I listen to? What podcasts am I listening to? You know, what am I drawn toward? And I find that to be so fascinating. And I think if we don't, Sometimes if you don't have someone who invites you on that journey of curiosity, mm -hmm. you don't always take the time to do it for yourself. And that's really unfortunate because I think that's where you get a lot of good clues about, you know, what resonates with your soul, maybe what's trying to come up and take a little more presence and a little more space in your life. Yeah. So I, I think that's such a good practice about the environmental scan and, and really kind of taking that in and looking at that. So, yeah, I love the curiosity thing, playful curiosity. And I love the analogy that you said about the, the child playing in the mud puddle. Mm, yeah, that's perfect. The other, because the beautiful thing about that is the mud washes off. None of that's permanent. And, you know, that was Elizabeth Gilbert's point with curiosity. It's not permanent. Curiosity just asks you to turn your head. That's it. Just turn your head and give me another look. I'm not asking you to do anything more. You don't have to take any major action. And I think that's why your your process really to, seems to have a lot of integrity because your action is not until step four. Mm, yeah. And that's, you know, I think for people who are going through a change process, that's the scariest thing. You You cannot see at the beginning what it's going to look like very often. You cannot see where you're going. And that's what really kind of gets you stuck to say, I'm not going to do anything at all because I have no idea where this is going. I have no idea what kind of impact this would have on my life or the people around me, or if I would have to ask myself to change things that maybe I don't want to change because you can't see it all. But knowing that there's so much that happens before you're ever even asked to do anything. Mm. 
should give people, I hope, a little bit of comfort to embrace a change process. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to highlight too, because you had mentioned just kind of that asking questions and the curiosity piece too. I think a huge part of playful curiosity is also just giving yourself permission to ask questions. Like, Mm-hmm. At least for me and my experience, when I started asking questions, I had come from a paradigm that didn't really invite a lot of questions that, you know, evangelical Christianity that I grew up in, there was not a lot of room for asking questions that could be loaded. Like they were, they were loaded questions. <laughs> um, and so for me, a huge part of that journey was first having that safe place to ask questions and having someone outside of me say, well, what if you, what if you did ask questions? So really that playful curiosity phase and how I see it is also this place where you can start to give yourself a little bit of permission to ask those questions that maybe you've been putting off. Oftentimes when people start entering into a coaching relationship with me, there's there's questions that are kind of, you purposely push them off to the sides or you brush them under the rug. And so this is kind of that that safe invitation or, you know, I we seek to cultivate a bit of, of safety through that playfulness and just starting to, to let some of those bubble to the surface, let some of them as they feel right, starting to ask those questions and allow them to be in existence where perhaps previously they were kind of shoved down. I love that you just said cultivate safety through playfulness. Mm. I think that's brilliant. I think that really says a lot right there. Yeah. A lot. Well, safety means something different for everyone too. And that's where I mm-hmm. I use the word safety um, carefully because I know that that's different for everyone. So I try not to say that I cultivate or like I um, – offer people a place of safety because I don't know what safety means to other folks, but we seek to, we can co-create that place together. Um, And that sovereign choice is so important, even in that playful curiosity phase, because you get to decide, yes, this question feels safe for me, or no, this actually doesn't feel right yet. Um, And I think that that phase is just a really great foundational space where you get to start or the client or yourself, like whoever, whoever is asking these questions and starting to allow them to come to the surface, you can start to notice and develop that self-trust even from the very beginning by saying, yes, I'm ready to enter into this playful curiosity with this question or no, I'm not. So it's all very, it's integrated as well, but I feel like that's important to note with that playful curiosity because to a lot of people, even being curious can be scary. Um, If you're coming from a background that cut you off from asking questions, cut you off from inviting curiosity. So I think that's an important piece to note if curiosity itself feels scary as you're seeking your passions and your dreams, if scary, if curiosity feels scary, that's, that's okay. You still get to choose when you want to be curious and when you don't, that's okay. Like it's, that's all, all welcome. Yeah. Very, very good that you just pulled that up, that curiosity can feel very scary, especially when you have come from those environments where Perhaps curiosity was not welcomed, or if you live currently in an environment where, you know, maybe not even curiosity speaking, but maybe just growth is not Mm, welcome, where everybody's just very happy with the status quo 
and you're the one who maybe isn't so happy with the status quo. That's a very frightening feeling to step into that space. So, you know, when we're talking about here is navigating change and how to start to introduce and welcome that into your life. And perhaps, you know, that curiosity could be a nice soft entry point into that. But with your clients, what have you seen, or or maybe you haven't, or if you have, what would be the most important skill for navigating change? Is it the curiosity piece or is it something else? That's a beautiful question. Curiosity definitely rises to the surface as I'm sitting with this question. Another one that does come to mind for me is resilience, a practice that I have integrated and it doesn't feel supportive for everyone, but it's felt supportive for me, is remembering what I've been through and how I've risen from that Um, and reminding myself of that inner power that's within me. When change is coming, recognizing I have already gone through this, this, and this. I believe in myself enough to know that I can continue rising. And that's just something for me that has been really supportive. But really, it it is that it's the curiosity when change is coming, being curious, allowing it to be like, I think playful curiosity is ending up being kind of a theme here. (laughs) Um, But allowing yourself when change is coming or you notice that maybe a pivot of some kind is coming your way, letting that be a bit more playful and just asking questions like, how can I show up in this space? And and that self-trust. Um, as change is coming, as life shifts, because it always will like change is the, the only constant, as people say, mm-hmm. developing that tr- self-trust is key. It's, it can be scary to trust yourself, um, but you get to be your best friend for the rest of your life if you choose to enter into that. Um, and something I, in some of my master classes, I talk about a little bit is for myself, I have decided this is just kind of in, in relationship to my body and my intuition is like, I have decided that my intuition and my my body, that's the only thing that I know I will have to walk through this whole life with. Like I will always have to be with myself. So how do I want that to look? Do I want to trust myself? Do I want to develop such a close relationship with myself that I can navigate whatever comes? Um, and for me, that's a choice that I really had to make. You're reminding me of, I saw someone on Instagram posts the other day for International Women's Day. She posted three photos and one was of her mother with a lovely tribute about, you know, the, to the one who gave me life and my foundation and and then she posted a beautiful picture with her two children, you know, to the to the people who made me a mother. And then the third photo was one of herself. And she captioned it and she said, and this is the woman who never abandoned me, mm. who never gave up on me. Yeah. And I was so struck by that. I thought, oh, my gosh, like how often do we hold up our friends or hold up our parents or hold up, you know, significant other or who, whoever it is in our life to say, you know, that's my person. They're the person who's been with me through thick and thin. And I thought, oh my gosh, we should all post a picture of ourselves right in front of our faces mm-hmm. at all times and say, this is the person who's never going to abandon yes. you, this person. And to look at that picture every single day and know it's mm-hmm. you. 
It's yes, you. that's exactly it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing right now. I know that you have um, some openings in your schedule and you've got some great things that you're offering. So tell us a little bit about how you work with folks or if folks wanted to learn more about the reclamation process and to maybe dig into that a little bit. What would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I currently have availability in my one-on-one coaching schedule. So that's really the most, that's my kind of core offering that I thrive um, supporting people in that way. I love working with folks one-on-one and really it just starts with a conversation where we can discuss, I have a free consultation and we can just discuss like, what are the dreams you have for yourself? What is currently um, in the way from that? What feels sticky in your life? And we can kind of craft a a plan for you. Typically I work with clients in a three month increment or a six month increment, but that's kind of how my one-on-one coaching goes. I also have 90 minute visionary sessions that are available. Oftentimes that's for small business folks. So again, my background, is prior to life coaching in my life coaching education, I was in the marketing and design field. That's what my degree is in from college. And so oftentimes I do work with small business owners, other coaches, um, makers and creators, and we dive in during a visionary session and kind of talk strategy. We talk branding and we talk about confidence and how to put your work out into the world as a small business owner. So that's a really fun space. that's kind of more intensive that I offer. And kind of with that business uh, piece in mind, this summer I do have a creative business accelerator that I'm going to be running. I don't have a lot of information posted about that um, publicly yet because I'm still gathering some information on what folks want, but that will be coming. I'm hoping to put that out into the world or, or start that in June. So the signups should be coming relatively quickly. Um, and then I'm hoping to also run a self-reclamation program in the fall. So um, the easiest way is always just to connect with me on Instagram or on my website and we can chat because my offerings shift a little bit depending on the season. So I'm very intuitive with my business. That was a thing I had to reclaim for myself after working in kind of a more traditional structure. So it's much more flowy and I really enjoy that. I love it. I was just going to comment on I love how much that you're integrating all the parts of your experience, your life experience into your work. I think that's wonderful. I do a very similar thing with my music and with my podcast. And it's fun to see where you can connect dots that maybe weren't connected before. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, and and as you are probably familiar, if you're a like a creative, passionate person, it's really hard to fit yourself into a box. That's the whole thing, right? Handing back the stories and the beliefs that we've been told and starting to write something new. Um, And as a creative person, it's so much more life-giving and allows me to sleep better at night and all of that stuff. So yeah. And your website is megscolleen.com and you are on Instagram at the same address, at megscolleen? At megscolleen, M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N. Great. And I will link to both of those in the show notes so that it's easy for people to get to. I know that on your website, you have some free meditations and a daily Mm check-in guide. So there's lots of good stuff for people to check out. And what I'm really loving about your Instagram page right now is you've got this series going with the current state, you know, my current state, and then you've flipped to the next slide and it will flip it and show you the reclamation statement for that. Yeah. And I have an ebook that's coming to kind of explain that a little bit. Like we're, a lot of folks are familiar with like reframes or affirmations, but I'm working on an ebook to kind of describe 
those, I don't know, it's kind of like a, a partnership with that Instagram series. So I love that you pointed that out. Yeah. Oh, I, I really like it. I'm, I joke all the time on this show that I'm not such a fan of affirmations because they tend to ignore the current state. Mm. You know, it's like they're, it's like they're screaming at you that you're fine when, yeah. you know, maybe you're not feeling so fine. So that's why I really liked those a lot because it acknowledges, yeah, this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And then when you slide to the next, it's like, oh, yeah, but I would like to be feeling that. And this is how I can flip it. Yeah. It's that, that honoring of, of the current and past self. Yeah, yeah. That's so important. Yeah. I love that. Really beautiful. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation. I love that we kind of fell down the curiosity, the playful curiosity rabbit hole, because I think that that's such a good theme. It's such a powerful theme for people who are in a process of change, who are maybe just starting to hear kind of some whispers emanating from the depths of their soul and trying to figure out what that might look like as they start to chase those down a little bit. And I just love curiosity as being a first step. And I think you've got a very solid structure for how people can carry on from there once they start to go down that road. So thank you so much for being on today and sharing all of this information with us. And good luck with all the programs you have coming up. That's all very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been a really beautiful time. And I, I love how you had those um, really beautiful interjections with the the books that you've been reading and different things like that too. I love that. And now I'm curious about some of those books. So I'm gonna have to, to dive into them. Love it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation and you're feeling all kinds of empowered to become a reclamation queen. A great place to start is by joining us on May 4th for our Core Values Workshop. It's totally free, so head over to my website, theintunexperience.com, to sign up. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, so pop on over to Instagram and drop me a message. So as I'm signing off here today, I wanted to leave you with a song lyric that has been looping in my head a lot lately. The song is called Let's Be Still by The Head and the Heart, and there's one specific line in there that has been just calling out to me, and it goes, The world's just spinning a little too fast. If things don't slow down, soon we might not last. So just for the moment... Let's be still. Ooh. And I wanted to give that lyric to you today to say thank you for taking this moment of your day to be still with me, to soak in this conversation, and to really take the time to think about how it might help you on your journey. Because this world is spinning pretty fast these days, and it's so important that we do take some time to be still. So thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you continue to find moments of stillness in your week to come. Have a good one. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street, form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www. 
F-O-U-R, the numbers 26studios.com. That's www.426studios.com.